0: Hey, this is Susie with Love Conquers Alls. And before we start today's episode, I just wanted to make you aware of a brand new positive podcast called Good Nix.
1: Good Nix explores the journey and meaning of doing good in the world. I get to choose every day when I wake up whether I'm going to work for a Fortune 500 and make a ton of money or work for the movement that is the arc of moral justice.
0: But I realized that I also had an obligation
2: to weaponize my privilege. One day we said, okay, if the city's not going to do it, the state's not going to do it, if some large corporation's not going to do it, why not us?
0: And if there were enough of you, if you were organized enough, if you were loud enough, it would be too difficult for them to ignore you.
3: Good Knicks, created by Jeff Leitner, hosted by Annalise Enrile, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: When the world has got you down,
1: Alzheimer's sucks. It's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now here are your hosts, Susie Singer Carter and me, Don Priest.
0: Hello, everybody. I'm Susie Singer Carter.
1: And I'm Don Priest, and this is Love Conquers Alls. Hello, Susan.
0: Hi, Donald. How are you?
1: I'm, you know, I'm good. I mean, you know, I'm good. I'm here. I'm good. How are you?
0: (laughs) I'm great, and I'm great and bad at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been going on. It's been a rough month. And my yeah. mom is, uh, was in, in and out of the hospital and uh, we've been through a, a whole hell, a whole hell of a hell. It's yeah. been, it's been pretty, pretty uh, terrifying. And, and now she's back where she belongs in the, in the residence where she's, where she feels most comfortable that she's used to. And, um, and she's, um, she's making her transition and it's yeah. something I've been afraid of for a very, very, very long time. And um and now i'm I'm feeling feeling like a rock star about it. I feel like I'm honored to walk her through that door and I want to be there with her so um,
1: and you're able to do that now I mean with covid you you had so little contact with her over the last two years yeah and and now you know despite all the the hell that has been going on, which is a whole nother, Story and uh, subject, yeah. um, but you you've been, you're able to be with her every day and and put your your head on her shoulder and and whisper in her ear and tell her that you love her and that's the most important thing at this point. So. Uh
0: huh. And sneak liquid into her mouth when the nurses aren't looking. Don't tell anyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but oh, she likes that.
0: <laughs> oh my god! It literally goes. Ah. <sighs>
1: well i think we should get we have two amazing guests today and i just get to it and um, i'm gonna tell you a little bit about them and then we'll say hello so um you ready susan
0: i couldn't be more ready
1: all right let's do this today our guests are are truly amazing uh as a career investigative and journalist greg o'brien has chronicled the stories and journeys of countless others but his diagnosis of early-onset Alzheimer's has led him on a path of self-discovery and on a mission to shine a light on this insidious disease. His lauded book, On Pluto, Inside the Mind of Alzheimer's, is a powerful and intimate firsthand account of Greg's own journey with Alzheimer's. And now he has joined with his lifetime friend, filmmaker Steve Eccleson, to create a beautiful, poignant, and personal documentary, Have You Heard About Greg? An important, enlightening, and candid look at Greg's remarkable odyssey
2: there were millions of people who were undiagnosed, who were walking around on the path to Alzheimer's. Greg O'Brien has written a book called On Pluto, Inside the Mind of Alzheimer's.
0: Anyone who's ever chatted with Greg knows that that's a real conversation and it's heart to heart and it's soul bared and it's funny and it's irreverent and it's loving and just brutally honest.
2: I believe that um, God First of all, has a sense of humor, and God will talk to you in language that you just understand. Okay, now I lost my train of thought. Well, we're have ta- we met before? <laughs> <laughs> Greg O'Brien, damn pleased to meet you. Good to meet you, yeah. Greg. We have one foot in the next room, and one foot here, and I'm just waiting for the Lord to pull me over the next room. And he keeps saying, not yet. I go, well, how about today? Not yet, we're not done.
1: We are honored to have them both with us today. Please welcome filmmaker Steve Eccleson and the inspiring Greg O'Brien. Welcome.
0: Hi, Steve and Greg. Thank you for coming on our show. We're so honored and pleased to just to be in your world today. So thank you.
3: You're welcome. We're excited to be here. Honored.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I I, I think, you know, this is such a such a rich and fertile topic, and I've, I've wanted the, the opportunity to talk with Greg for, a, it feels like a lifetime. I feel like I know him from reading so much of, of, of his writing. I know, Steve, from watching the documentary that your mom suffered with Alzheimer's, as did Greg's mom, as does my mom, and um, it's, it, you know, and, and I did a short film on my mom with Valerie Harper, and I know how hard it is to relive sort of that, put yourself back there. And in some ways it's it's celebratory, and in other ways it's 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 you know it's it's heartbreaking again to look to look back on it. But I found it. What I I didn't know about you is that your mom had Alzheimer's. I didn't know that. I didn't know that she was so dynamic, like my mom, a five foot five foot package of uh, dynamo like my mom <laughs> and that we shared this, you know, this such an affinity and relationship and connection with our mom. So I found that very, very warm and, and, uh, I feel closer to you. <laughs> you know, it, it, this that's, that's what happens with these as being a caregiver. It, it makes us a uh, kind of a, an extended family because we have an understanding, right? Right.
3: It's true. Yeah. You, you've been where I've been or you're going yeah. through what, both Greg and I have gone through uh, exactly. with, with our mothers and watching them. And, uh, I, I, you know, there's a point in the film where I think uh, I say that Greg maintains that they're up there waving at us. They're basically up there thanking us for our contribution to the cause. Uh, so anyway, it's, uh, it's, This has been a privilege from the beginning, from my point of view, and uh, it's funny because you mentioned lifelong friends, and and in a way, Greg and I are lifelong friends because we were there together at the beginning, and we spent our first 18 years in pretty close proximity from kindergarten up through 10th grade. and. We got to age 18, and we both hit our respective diving boards. And Greg went off and became an investigative journalist, and I went off and became a filmmaker. And we didn't give a a thought about each other over the last 50 years. It was at my 50th high school reunion uh, three years ago where a, a childhood friend said, have you heard about Greg? And in those five words, he changed my life. And I said, Greg who? He said, the Greg O'Brien, you know, baseball teams, altar boys, Catholic school. I said, sure, I remember him. I haven't given a thought about him in 50 years. And he said, well, he's written this book called On Pluto, Inside the Mind of Alzheimer's. And since my mother had died of it, I immediately got it, read it. And we basically, I connected with Greg. And, and uh, what you see now, three years later, is a movie. Uh, that I think is going to touch a lot of people who see it, both people who are already in the fight and people who are on the verge of getting into this fight against this pandemic that has been pushed to page 27 in the newspapers because of COVID. And hopefully, we'll come back and we will achieve our goals of what we started out with, which was A, to get people talking about this disease again, B, to try to increase the funding as best as we possibly can, and see to get people to pay attention to their own brain health that when they go in to get their next checkup, talk to the doctor and ask them about from here up instead of just here down.
0: Right to take it one step further is to redefine how we look at this disease because it's 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 often um, dismissed as you know, which, Unfortunately, words get get bastardized, and they get they get uh, you know they get connotations attached to them that, that you can't get rid of, like the word demented, you know, and that becomes part of our of, of the of the lexicon of our medical uh, system, you know, where someone is demented and therefore they're not worthy or they're just really not here, and so I I I, I aim to change that because I know they're still here. Because I talk to my mom every time I'm with her, whether she can speak or not.
2: Well, she hears so. you in uh, in your heart, I believe, which
1: is... the Absolutely. It's and- something we always said, you know, when when people said, uh, you know, oh, why do you go visit it? They're not going to remember, you know, 30 seconds after you leave. They're not going to remember. We say it has nothing to do with remembering here. It is all about remembering here.
2: Well, yeah, you, you're so right. My mother and beautiful woman, uh, Irish lady and uh, gave birth to 10 kids. And uh, um, she, uh, in her journey taught me how to write and speak from the heart. I was a caregiver and then uh, ended up with a diagnosis. Uh, I had two serious head traumas that I shouldn't have survived which doctors said unmask a demon in the making. Um, and and um, But she taught me uh, while she was alive how to uh, write in and speak from the heart the place of the soul and uh, she is the hero of my life
0: indeed greg i i've read all your blogs and your and your book and everything and i see I, I feel your mom in everything that you write i feel also very kismet to your mom in a way just the 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 way you describe her affinity towards the color yellow and how significant that was to you, to her and, and 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 you know in turn to you and your, and your siblings, at least you and your brother both went out and got what Jeeps, yellow Jeeps just yeah. to make it up. Yeah.
2: We would uh, always talk about the color yellow and, and my wife would be driving around. And when I, I don't, not allowed to drive anymore. And, and she would always say, Oh, look at that yellow car. Look at, and, and she, my wife would say, what is it with yellow? And so I started looking it up. But if anyone does yellow has a lot of good definitions, but one of the definitions, it's the color of angels. And um, I'm an imperfect guy, Irish Catholic, more evangelical. We all find our faith in the wrong way. But I felt in my heart and my mom is in my heart today helping me with my writing that the angels were coming for her. Wow. It's so
0: beautiful. It's so beautiful because I and and also it's it uh, it was a little bit like it took me aback because yellow has always been my favorite color since I was a little girl. I've always, it it's that, it, that is my color and it makes me happy. And it's always made me happy. And it, it, it brightens any room. If I can throw a bit of yellow somewhere, I'm so happy. And, and I think you talked about it being, having to do with the the chakras and your solar plexus. Right, and, yeah. And yeah. And I just thought, wow, it's amazing because I feel, I feel like I'm heart centered and I always have been and possibly, oh, I, I always thought too much.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't think you can be too much. I think more of us, particularly in these horrible times we live in, um, there's so much hate, so much war in the world to find that place of the heart. Just getting back quickly to um, your comment before that people often in Alzheimer's can speak to their heart and and they're a lot more aware than people think because they have these just horrible stereotypes. First of all, the disease the experts will say it takes 20 to 25 years to run its course, there are always exceptions. And if someone says, well, my mother died after being diagnosed uh, of, of uh, Alzheimer's eight years later, the, the answer, you don't get Alzheimer's the day you're diagnosed. I also have cancer and you don't get cancer the day you're diagnosed. And uh, that, that woman or that man probably fought for 15 years because they were scared out of their mind and what you're trying to do and what I'm trying to do is to bring people out of the closet and, and on this and, 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 and realize that there's strength in numbers and it's OK to talk about it. And it's difficult. But just on my mom, when my brother got his yellow Jeep, uh, because my mom always t- he pulled in the driveway on Cape Cod. I didn't know this until after I wrote the book. My brother, Tim. They were in the bedroom, and my mom, Tim wanted to show her out the window of the yellow car. And, and she said, Oh my God, that's so beautiful. I just found this out a year ago. She then told Tim, Did you know that yellow is the color of angels? She said that, to, excuse me, just uh a, a mo- She said that to my brother. Me in the throes of Alzheimer's knew that however you want to define faith and we all define in different ways and I understand that, but in her faith, something was re- and She said yellow is the color of angels. Mm.
0: Oh, beautiful. No, but see, that's, that's, that's a perfect example of, of what, I'm, what I feel is so misunderstood is that what's important and the, and the things that are important to someone with, with dementia or Alzheimer's. Like my mom, there's time, my mom hasn't spoken since, pretty much on her own at all ever since COVID, you know, being isolated has just exasperated this disease and accelerated it very quickly. Um, But when I, when I, the last time I visited her in person, I say to her, you know how much I love you. I always tell her the whole story. I wish I make her, if I can make her laugh, it's a good day. And I can still make her laugh. I can still make her laugh. And I go, you know, you're a pain in the ass. You're just a pain in the ass and you're a troublemaker. I told you, you're a troublemaker. She laughed. I go, you know who I am? My daughter. She knows.
2: Right. Well, I, I, just again, and I, I know you know this, um, when my the, the end came from my mom, said we had to put her in a nursing home after my father had Alzheimer's died. She was there at his bedside, likewise with me and I got a call from the nurse I'm just looking at some notes I have here because I have to now oh. uh, I got a call from uh the uh, the nurse of the nursing home said your mom's not doing well she's scared and you need to come down so I came down uh, in my yellow jeep um it was about two miles away from where I live on outer Cape Cod and um she's asleep she was uh five foot two 100 pounds that's pretty much how her weight all her life. And, um, and I woke her up and I said, mom, I'm sorry to wake you up. The nurses said you were scared. This is real close to when she's about to die. And this, this pushes back. And I know you believe this on stereotypes. She said, plain as day, she's in my book, Greg, I'm glad you're here. That was the first time in eight months she could use my name. Hmm. And I put, I pulled the chair up and put my hand, she's lying down on top of hers and she waved her other cause she, you know, she didn't have a lot of strength and put it down on mine. And we talked and not big stuff, but we just talked finally. She, and, and I had put a photo, excuse me, which I have right here in my office of her father, my grandfather who died of Alzheimer's. And I put it at the foot of her bed so when she woke up every morning she could see her father and i don't care what anyone says i felt his presence in the room and i said oh my god something's about to happen and she fell asleep and i went over and i kissed her on the forehead and um she woke up immediately and as plain as day said greg where are you going excuse me and i said uh, knowing that the end was there. I said, mom, I'm not going anywhere. We're going to ride this one out together. And she held my hand and I held hers. She closed her eyes. I kissed her on the forehead and she never woke up again. And she's in my heart now. She helps me with my writing. The doctors tell me that that's probably because I fight like that, the last thing to go. I have what they call cognitive reserve, but The rest of my life, if I could say this is a shit show with my memory and rage and getting lost and loss of place. So um, please uh, don't mistake for my ability to because I'm dealing with notes. My life is a shit show. And I can't wait right now to cross that line and go to heaven. But I feel God, the universe, whatever you want to say is saying, not yet. You got more to do. And and I say that in, in, in humility. I tell people I've committed every sin a man could commit, but murder and adultery, and I've been tested in both. So I'm not an wealthy <laughs> boy, even though I was when I was younger, as Steve knows. So I'm just saying. But,
0: okay. I'm I, I should have not put mascara on for this interview <laughs> because I'm gonna be crying through the whole thing. <laughs> but um, you've
1: never lost that connection with her. You still you, you say you still connect with her all oh. the time. She she guides you, she she, she writes for you is what, almost what you well,
2: said. She, she, I, I've said before, and, and, um, and, and this isn't Faith, and this is my mother, when it took me um, three years or more to write on um, Pluto. And uh, I'm also working on a screenplay, an adaptation of the book that's taking me a long time. Steve knows all about it, but my mom is helping me with that. But there are times, and I wrote it from 2,000 pages of notes after my diagnosis, I took notes to I was worried about anecdot- all the stuff I'd forget, which I do now. And I have all the notes in, in my laptop and, and, and I wrote it from there. But there were times when I was writing in her spirit, spirit of God, the universe, whatever you want to say, where I'd, I'd look at my laptop and say so many times, where did that come from? I was just in the zone there's a zone in, that, in sports and there's a zone in writing and as anyone knows and there are other i was in that zone and i take no credit for it it's the spirit of god the universe my mom so i don't deserve i was just the uh, uh the guy in the horn section but so many times <laughs> when i look back at the book now which i couldn't write today i still say in awe of my mother god the universe where did that come from and I just want to be clear to anyone who's listening: I deserve no credit for my journey as a journalist. Um, you just do your job.
0: You did your job, yeah. But 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 you also did it. And I'm going to push back on you a little bit because you, because the your writing, uh, that's your words. So yes, you got you were you were helped and you were given some kind of you know guidance along the way. But you, that's your heart speaking, and that's you, your words and your your they're they're delightful and they're meaningful and they're deep and they're and they're anecdotal and they're they're everything you're you're extremely a captivating writer and um you know and you can't I, i just want to give you credit for that because yes maybe you're the conduit and i'm a writer too and i wrote a beautiful movie for my mom that resonates with people every day i get letters like and i know that i don't say i say it's my mom's story i just wrote it down that's all right and and so i get it but you know i, I do i just think you know there you were you're chosen for that because you could do it because you are that person because you have that that um you have you have that affinity towards words and you use them and you put them together just right
2: well, you know, one of my, you probably, you know, Lisa Genova. Yes. You know, she's a very close friend and we get together for coffee and she's got a great sense of humor. And with um, all of the other stuff and the cancer and stuff, she, 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 she said to me the other day, what did you do to piss off God? <laughs> That's a great quote. And, and I said, she's laughing. And I said, did you ever read about Job in the Old Testament? The guy who was tested and everything was restored and that will be in heaven. And she said, okay, good answer. I swear to God, I,
0: someone told me I'm a, a star seed, which is basically like you're put on Earth to like, to, to for with a huge mission, but everything's going to be super hard. And my whole life has just been so super hard. Like, if it's going to, if it could happen bad, it will happen to me. Right. And yet I'm like Sisyphus. I just keep pushing that rock up to the top. And just when I get it there, they go, here's another one, <laughs> you know. And so I keep having to push that rock up the hill. But, but people
1: like you who can, you know, they're, you're, you're built to handle it whether it's it's I mean like you say it's a shit show it is but a man shit show. That's my lesser, lesser people wouldn't would not have survived to up to now so
0: and Greg you know, I, I have a picture of my mother's mother my grandma Rose who looks like Hetty Lamar. she was the most wow. delicate wonderful gorgeous woman and I have a picture of her framed at the at across from my mom in the room as well because I know that she will be there for her
2: you know, in it, 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 it getting angry, because anger is part of my deal, and, and then being in places where I don't recognize people I've known all my life, and so I the other day, I was really pissed off, and I had a WTF, talk with God or the universe, and I won't use the words, because they're probably not supposed to drop F-bombs.
0: You can drop any can bombs. You can
2: drop whatever you want. <laughs> so I, I said, I was angry, and, and I believe God, the universe, has got big shoulders, and I said, what the fuck? I, I said, I'm doing the best I can give me Alzheimer's. You gave me cancer. Uh, I have no feeling. And uh, for the most part, from my knees to my feet, it's, it's neuropathy, but, but it's brain cells not connecting. I've lost 40% of my sight right now because the eyes are failing. My uh, spine has broken down because of brain uh, 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 signals. And I had um, spine reconstruction surgery at um, New England Baptist where they cut me from the neck. To, the, to, the, to my ass, really, if I could say that word, and 54 staples, plate screws, steel rods, a five-hour operation turned out to a 10-hour. I lost seven pints of blood on the operating room and started a heart attack. And I said, what the fuck? You know who I am? And I said, I'm trying to do the best I can. And I heard in that place of my heart, I believe God the universe will talk to you in language you use all the time. And, and the answer came back with language that I use all the time. I heard immediately. Yes. Dumbass. I made, <laughs> and I have you right where I want you and keep up that sense of humor and the fight. And I uh-huh. said, okay, I just wanted God, the universe to know that I wanted to know they were there. <laughs> You're onto I them.
0: Love it. <laughs> I love it. I
2: mean, that brings I- around something which you, you, I mean, hope faith
1: and humor is your mantra. Right. And you use humor to, to help cope and make others comfortable about what you're going through. But was was humor something you used from the beginning or did it take a
2: while to laugh? Well, my my mother-in-law would always say I don't think he's particularly funny, but <laughs> I've always thought that I have a great sense of humor. And humor has always been. Well, when I was reporting on the mafia, I wasn't writing humor. But <laughs> um, but humor has uh, always been uh, um part of, of of my life and, and... he's Irish <laughs> exactly he's but, Irish. But, but when, yes, when you
1: don't... when you talked about using it you know to deal with Alzheimer's and to talk about it, help talk about it help open up other people to it was that something when you know obviously when you learn you have Alzheimer's that's not funny how long did it take but, till till humor became part of your your arsenal
2: I there are a couple uh, that's a very good question so there are over time there were a couple of times I was taking notes. I wanted to uh, write the book and be on my notes. And I kept hearing in my soul, my heart, not time, not time yet, not time. And then one day I heard time. It's time. It's made the sense of humor. And, um, and that, that's, that's, that's when, I, when I started to write. And so I've always done that, in, um, my, which I'm kind of proud of but I was asked a while back to, Boston has um, Alzheimer's, a uh, big run in Boston. It's one of the biggest in the country. and So they had a, a, a night for a preview of it and they had it at um, uh, a uh, comedy club uh, in the north end of Boston. And uh, so they asked, I was asked to speak by the Alzheimer's Association. So I go in and the place is filled, like close to 300 people. And the guy said, okay, we want you to talk about Alzheimer's. Um, be brief and um, talk. So I said, okay. I said, can I be funny? (laughs) And he said, what? I said, it's a comedy club, isn't it? Can I be funny? And he said, okay. He was a little nervous. And he said, I'm going to stand in the back. And if you're not funny, I'm going to give you the cutoff. (laughs) And if you are funny, I'm going to give you the hand wave. I said, okay, well, when I was supposed to talk for 10 minutes, 45 minutes later, I was getting a standing ovation where people were each other and laughing at the Love funny it. stories I would tell about. I, I don't want pity parties with people. I want them to be able to laugh about getting lost because if we can walk in humor, then we could talk about it and tell stories. I got a better story than you. And I, you know, oh, you'll listen to my story. And, and uh-huh. it's freeing. Well, you know, it, it, it frees the soul
0: absolutely it's 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 i have two i have two uh very powerful tools in my arsenal to to open the doors with my mom one is music because she was a singer and so i we use music and we i still do that is my that's my key that's my strongest one and humor and i always have and because my mom and i my mom has an amazing sense of humor um i'd love you to watch my film but then the very first scene is it starts off with my mom With the year she lived with me banging on my door at four in the morning, waking me up and going, where where's my baby? You stole my baby. And I said, Mom, you don't have a baby. And it's four in the morning. Please go back to bed. And she was like, you're a whore and you are and I'm going to find my I know you sold that baby. You sold it what a horrible thing to do. You're despicable. And she goes, I'm going to find my baby. And she goes running down. I was living in a loft of, and, and she was running down the stairs at night. And I was like chasing her. I go, mom, stop mommy, stop mommy. And when I said mommy, she, it, it connected. she um. turned around and she said, oh, you're my baby. Oh my God. And then she said, you got to put me in a home. You got to, you oh. got to live your life. And I said, Oh, you're going. <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> we're, you're not ready yet. And I'm not ready. And she said, oh, well, well when?
2: <laughs> uh, my mom would have things like that. She would, because I had a lot of brothers and sisters, but we at times would be in the house and she would yell, she wouldn't know who we were. And she said, get out of my house. Get out of my, and, and I understood what was going on, but rest of the family was in the New York City area. We grew up in Rye outside Manhattan. My mom was born on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, my dad in, in the Bronx. And um, they didn't understand because they weren't there and it was just devastating to them. Um, and you know, she, she would serve uh, my father coffee grinds for dinner at night because neither one of them wanted to go to a nursing home. So we had 24 seven care and um, but she 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 and then she would talk to me about in her hallucinations which i have now too um the uh um floor opening up and people trying to pull her down and um yeah. there was a time there many instances like this where um uh i uh, um uh it was one time i was asked to speak uh in in Hollywood at at, at night at Sardi's is the the Alzheimer's Association. And I was asked to be for Alzheimer's a keynote speaker, which was one of the honors of my life. And we're getting ready at the Beverly Hills Hilton or whatever it's called. And my wife said, okay, we gotta go put your shoes on. And I turned to her in, in, in full honesty and said, I can't, someone's standing in my shoes. There was a person standing in my shoes moments before and um, this is an important story. So when I got to give my speech, I'm standing backstage and I'm nervous. And I usually I get nervous. after do math, but not about speaking. But I was nervous and looked out at a thousand people in the audience, uh, world beaters and, and incredible people. And, um, and I got scared. And I looked up at heaven and I said, Mom, this is for you. And I heard in my heart, which I know you would relate to, Greg, you rock this. And this is in my book, you just rock it. And I, I, I speak from uh, speeches that I write, I don't ad lib anymore. And I went out and I rocked it. And, um, and, and I knew I rocked it because I thought my mom was with me. And it was kind of nice on stage behind me, there was a woman standing there that made me feel so good, so friendly, so encouraged, so at peace. And I kept wanting to turn around to see who it was. And in my heart, I I kept hearing, stay focused, finish this, finish this. And um, so at the end, there's a standing ovation. And I started crying and people in the audience started crying. And I wanted to turn around to thank the woman behind me. She was gone. And I went down to our table and I said to my wife, Mary Catherine, who is the woman standing behind me? who was, was so encouraging, uh, made me feel so much at peace, so at home, so loved, who was it? And my wife said, what? I said, who was the woman behind me who made me feel so at peace, so calm, so loved? Greg, there was no woman. And I went around the table of 10 and I asked everyone and they said, there was no woman, you were there alone. And I said, no, I wasn't. There was a the spirit of my mother and maybe hundreds of others in Alzheimer's who were here for the cause. And um, my mom was with me on stage.
1: She's I, always I- with you. I think she's, I mean,
2: she's uh,
1: now, I mean, did you, at the time, did you, feel like you saw her or just felt the presence? Well,
2: I, I, I I saw a woman, but I'm walking on the stage and there's a woman there and I need to focus. I don't want to trip on the way to the podium. There was a presence there. I saw it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't focus on it. It was an older woman and um, blonde hair, like my mom. You know, when you get older, she dyed her hair, blonde hair. And um, and I just went up, I was nervous and went up to think and said, okay. And then I said, geez, that's good. I'm glad I'm not here alone. And then, and then all of a sudden that feeling in my heart, boy, I'm kind of feeling loved here. And this is encouraging. And um, someone in the audience told me, I saw you at times trying to turn around and then you didn't, you didn't. And, and I, I, I figured you were wondering what was going on and, but you didn't, you stayed focused. And um, when I got off the stage, when I knew someone was there, everyone said you were there alone. I said, no, it wasn't. My mom, my mom was there in spirit. And, um I I I don't know what else to tell people but um if you reach out and again I'm not here to proselytize if you reach out there's a lot out there this is just a veneer that we live in and there's a whole realm out there
0: it's interesting I find that so comforting I I have a question a selfish question because um, I, I used to try to get inside the mind of my mom because I felt like we we're so kismet that I could understand everything like we could just look at each other and go you know <laughs> and and my mom yeah she's she was hilarious because she would she lo- as she lost her filter as you talk about in your book losing your filter and and I'm wondering are you are you aware of it and if I can just share a little anecdote when my mother was at my stepfather's funeral snack dab in the middle of her Alzheimer's and her step stepdaughter, my stepsister, who my mom wasn't very fond of because she was just not a very nice person, and and she really wasn't very involved with the family. <clears throat> she went up to do a eulogy for my stepfather and um, she's she begins and she's pontificating and she's, you know, acc- accolades and this and that, and all of a sudden you hear my mom go, oh, bullshit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I cracked up the whole place. <laughs> I, I um i i have i've become who's a personal hero of mine but he doesn't know i exist um larry david like yeah larry david and i love the man he sent me a picture because steve knew someone who put yeah. but um he's another hero of mine because when i, I watch the shows and the reruns all the time and i love his 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 lack of filter because he says what, what what he wants to say and i i deal with that all the time but there was uh a time when uh for the cure I'm, I'm on the board of us against alzheimer's in dc and very active in that and um, i support um and i told you before i was on the uh, alzheimer's association uh, early onset advisory board in chicago and the cure alzheimer's fund in boston and i was at a cure alzheimer's fund uh, event which i was involved in uh at, at harvard club and had to speak and so uh um Afterwards, uh, after the speech, you know, they had a reception upstairs. And I don't know if this is with your mom in Alzheimer's, you can't filter noise. And the brain doesn't know where it's coming from. And it's very loud. And it's like the scene in Psycho, where someone was about to be stabbed. And there was a guy uh, who was talking, I'm sure very quietly in front of me to someone else. And I'm with a few friends of mine, because they always watch over me because they know I'm going to lose my shit. And, um, and, and so the noise got louder and louder and I couldn't bear and I went up to him. I said, excuse me. And I went up to him and I said, would you shut the fuck up? <laughs> now, all of a sudden, pause, my friends huddled around me and said, as you know, Greg has Alzheimer's dementia and, and Lisa Genova was up there. She uh-huh. he was aware, but she said, come on, Greg, we're going to go downstairs and sit on the couch and talk. You we need to take you out of here. <laughs> so stuff like that happens all the time. But did, Steve, so do, you,
0: uh, do you feel it, though? Do you what you know it's going to happen? Is it sort of like when you're in the throes of an argument, say like, you know, I've been in those places where you're just. you know all bets are off you say anything that comes out because you just don't care at that moment because because the the emotion is overwhelming so is it so you're aware of it so like i just wonder where my mom would look at me and say you know, well, I know a good corner that you could go stand on. Why don't you go back? You know, and I think, where's that coming from? And then later I would say to her, mom, do you know, you said that to me? And she'd go, oh, I would never say that to you. I go, well, you did.
2: Well, I, I, and it's Alzheimer's, as they say, are like snowflakes, there are no two patterns alike. And yeah. in, in cases like that, I'm not aware that I said it until after I said it. Mm-hmm. I'm not aware when I go into rage, um, there are times when I'll sit in my studio. You could, this I'm in my writing studio. It's next to the house on Cape Cod. Where I'll be screaming because something stopped. Something's not right. I'll be yelling and screaming and and and, and dropping up. And they'll go, "What's what's wrong?" And I'll say, not realizing the moment that I was doing it. I'm I'm, I'm not. So I I find that um, it 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 just with the rage it just happens, and I'm not aware of it until after. The moment, and that's why in public uh, situations, usually I have a lot of friends or family with me just to babysit.
0: You got some <laughs> wranglers. Yeah. So, so, Steve,
1: Steve, what? So, the fact that you were basically working with Larry David,
3: <laughs> I was. I was. What,
1: what were some of the challenges that you faced while making your film? I mean, did this come into play as you were shooting and? Uh, And did you choose sometimes, you know, let's say, oh, we we shot that, but maybe we shouldn't use it?
3: Or what were some of those challenges? I I think that, uh, you know, documentaries have come into vogue. Since everyone's been landlocked in COVID land, the world of documentaries have been discovered by a whole lot of people who never paid attention to documentaries. I had spent my entire career working on scripted television shows for the most part where you have the luxury of having a a script, a budget, and a schedule. So these are all plans that get put together in order to make the process of making that movie or TV show come to life. And in this particular case, Greg let me know that he was coming out to Scottsdale, Arizona in March of of, uh, 2019. And I said, well, that's close enough. I'll bring out some cameras and we'll shoot some footage. And I'm amazed here, in retrospect, of how much much of that footage that we shot on that first day is still in the film. Um, And uh, the film that people will see in the theaters is, at this point in time, it's version 23. Mm -hmm. Because there's no script, you have an idea, I want to make a movie, and you start shooting. When it was all said and done, we basically shot probably about 70 hours of footage. We got it down to eight hours of footage, um, and, and, and I, I was lost. And then I had a wonderful conversation with a guy named Dr. William Lynn, um, who is over at the Joseph Campbell Institute. And he basically gave me the idea of the formula that they use, which is to break a story into a four-act play. There is the autumn, when everything is fine, you introduce everybody. There is the winter, when everything falls apart and goes to hell. There is the spring, where hope springs eternal. And then there is the the summertime, where the hero rides off with the girl and the, the villain has been vanquished. And in our particular case, I knew that we didn't have the villain will be vanquished yet. And I knew that that was something that we were going to have to contend with there in Act 4. But in the meanwhile, all the other pieces started to materialize and and just going through everybody's information and just combing down, combing down, culling, and getting it down to 90 minutes was amazing. And then we showed it at a film festival in in, uh, December, just to take a quick look and see what it looked like on the big screen. And uh, we realized that there were redundancies and things that we were so close to the material we had been combing through, combing through, that we did not realize that there were things that were re- repetitive and, and redundant and what have you. So we, we chopped out another six minutes, and it's now 84 minutes, and it just flies. That's so strange. there were a, a thousand things that you know we had to contend with in terms of how do you... You're basically building a linear jigsaw puzzle. Three seconds of this, two seconds of that. Oh, we need a graphic, etc. A whole film is usually 2,000, 3,000 edits of, of little two second, three second clips that all get glued together in a particular order. And uh, I was just fortunate that we were able to have all this wonderful information. I've got another film sitting on the cutting room floor of material I couldn't fit into this 84 minutes.
0: Right, right. uh,
3: Of good stuff, material that, you know, these brilliant people that Greg had turned me on to, they just sat down and opened up and told me everything. And it was great. And so we tried to get it and glue it down and put it into an order, polish it up. And I I do know that it it does reach in and, and it affect your emotional fuse box. And I do know it's going to make you laugh, and I do know it's going to make you cry, and, um, and it's going to make you feel. And, and Greg's story is so wonderfully powerful and at the same time individual that here's this, here's this voice that hasn't been silenced yet. Right, here's right. this voice that it enables us to look at this terrible disease from inside. For every person diagnosed, there are going to be 10 people whose lives are affected. The family, the friends, the caregivers.
2: Can I ask a question of of the most beautiful person on the Zoom here? Can I ask you a question?
1: Oh, that that would be me, so yes. No, 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 I'm sorry. I I, I told
2: you I lost 40% of my sight. So, (laughs) (laughs) but um, asking the most beautiful person on this, are, are, um, are you afraid that you're going to get Alzheimer's someday?
0: Yes. All the time. And that was a question I was going to ask Steve because I, I panic every time I, I lose a word. If I can't think of a word because I love words, my heart beats, like literally like beats. And I, I'm so afraid that I'm going to get it all the time.
1: Because I have to constantly remind her that sometimes, first of all, everyone forgets, even, you know, 15 year olds forget that and I'm, and without saying, Hey, we shouldn't be, you know, aware and, and be vigilant about, you know, the possibilities, but, um, that and oftentimes it's just stress, you know, sometimes you've got, or sometimes when I forget things and I do forget things all the time, it's usually while I'm thinking about something else, you know, it's, just, uh, but absolutely. I mean, that you to 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 just say yeah I don't I don't fear that at all I mean I don't think it's being realistic
3: it's an it's a reality that that affects so many people and I remember I, Don I would recommend uh, here's a plug for Lisa Genova has yeah. written a book called Remember it was on the New York Times bestseller list within two weeks and she really does a wonderful job of taking very complex subjects and boiling them down to being comprehensible by anyone, lay people. And she says, so, so many times we forget things, and it's out of co- it's because it's out of context. I'm lying in bed, I'm, watching, uh, I'm reading a book, and I want to go into the kitchen and get something to drink. I get to the kitchen, and I forgot why I'm here. Now, I go back to the bedroom, and I say, ah, I went in to get a, a glass of water. So when you removed yourself from the place of out of context you lost what the idea was that had promote, prompted you to go do something mm-hmm. as soon as you come back you say ah okay i remember it was a, the, i wanted to go get a glass of water right, right, right. and that's a big difference between remembering and being having alzheimer's what
2: well, lisa does in her book which is right here so another shameless plug for me lisa writes a difference between forgetting where your car keys are and not knowing you have car keys. On Cape Cod, we take our, our trash to the dump. And I, you guys probably think that that's barbaric, but mm-hmm. but I like going to the town dump because, you know, people uh, campaign there. I think there should be a sports pub, you know, pub there. And it, you just, <laughs> meet, no, you just meet people. So uh, when I was still driving, I drove my yellow Jeep to the dump and I took all my stuff out to throw away. And I was standing there right in front of my yellow Jeep. And I said to myself, OK, how do I get home? Yeah. And my mind, my brain in that moment would not tell me it was a four-door yellow Jeep that that Jeep was my car. And uh, finally, um, I, uh, I thought I'll call my wife or call friends or whatever. And finally, someone could tell I was, you know, and they knew my situation. They said, great. Get your car it's, it's okay.
0: Now, Greg, when you, when that happens, do you ha- so you can reflect back on it and, and remember that you, those feelings. Like... No,
2: only because I wrote about it. That's, that's why I'm looking.
0: But, but, but afterwards you did though, you were able to write about it. So yeah. I find that fascinating that you went through it and then you were like, you had, you had. The, the but I memorable... have to write,
2: I have to write the moments down immediately. Gotcha. That that's what triggers to my brain not remembering it but saying i you will never see me without my laptop every day writing everything down that happens and and, and you'll, you'll never you'll never see that
0: i just wanted to say this before i forget is that i love the way that you your friend um, uh, nicknamed alzheimer's al and then right. you adopted it and then you you extended it to little fucker which yeah. i think is <laughs> great <laughs> So if you don't love this guy now already, you'll that that's just that clinches it yeah. for me.
2: By the way, before we end, and I know you're going long here. I have uh, a story about my sister Maureen that takes us full circle into what we're talking about today.
1: We, we'll go as long as you want. We are we are in no hurry. So as long as you'd like to go with that, that's fine with us.
2: But this gets back to the spiritual other realm of things, and and I think all of us are on the same place. We come from different backgrounds, but. My mom would always say, which I wrote about, I can't get sick, I can't get sick, because she wanted to take care of my dad, who was in the throes of dementia. And he had he had cancer, uh, um and, um, you know, inheritances and all that it's cracked up to be. That's all I could tell you. But um he he had, he had, he had all these other stuff. And um, and I've said that in my life, because I got I got kids and grandkids. I can't get sick. I can't get sick. I can't get sick. And, um, one of the closest people in my life was my sister, Maureen. And, um, she was a nurse outside Manhattan and in Manhattan. And she coached me through, you know, she was also, um, uh, I think hearing from my mom and she coached me through Alzheimer's and how to deal with things on, on the medical side. And, um, so what what uh, what happened is uh, um, she ended up with blood cancer uh, and uh, was uh, in in uh, recently, oh, for a couple of years, and, and was at uh, Presbyterian Hospital in Manhattan, she had to get chemotype and and things like that. And um, uh, what it, it breaks your system down. And what happened was uh, she got a virus in her body that in 48 hours gave her a heart attack and she died. She, she, did, she, died. she died at the end of the summer. She, I, I, but, that's, but the point is I was born on her birthday two years later, March 22nd. Next Tuesday, I turned 72 and it's the first time in 72 years that I haven't shared with my sister. Oh. Now this gets back to um, what's happening upstairs in heaven. We had in the driveway, this plant that my wife was in in my face. So she should be to take it to the dump. And for some reason, I kept forgetting. I came out one day and this plant that was dead was sprouted with a yellow carnation, which I took pictures of that I could send you. And, um, it was dead and it had a yellow carnation. And I talked to, uh, my sister's two kids and, and, um, and, and and her daughter said, she's just letting you know she's here watching you. And I said, no, she's not. She's letting me know she's still in charge. So, <laughs> I, so I expect on Tuesday, I'm going to hear from her and my mom and my dad, who are all up in heaven, saying, OK, how can we fuck with Greg?
0: Exactly. I love <laughs> the best it. Gift. I love that it.
2: would be the best gift.
0: That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: that's, that's my birthday present, I think. <laughs> I love it. On you are...
0: You're an Aries like my mom. My mom is April 1st. I don't know if okay. she's going to make her birthday this year, but she's oh God. Please yeah. let me
2: know. Can you send me uh the the link to your film please?
0: I would be honored it
2: before, but I I, I want to watch it so. Me too. Um, yeah.
0: Yes, please watch it and you know, it was interesting just, just just an anecdote on that is that Valerie Harper who plays my mom so beautifully and it was her last performance. She had cancer right. and was and beating it to death. Like she just said Eight years before, I'm not going to go to my funeral until I'm ready.
1: And she was given six months to live at that point.
0: (laughs) And she was meant to do this film. She met with my mom. They held hands and sang for two hours together. And she went and saw my mom on her birthday on her own. When we got on the set, Valerie was taking medication that I didn't know mimicked a a lot of Alzheimer's, you know, the way that in, in her memory, it affected her memory, but when we were rehearsing, she was on books, so I didn't notice it, Yeah. and I, ha- and it was like, I was the best director for her, because I knew how to, I knew how to work with her, and, and we got the most beautiful, you know, performances, she's, she's a, she's a, an, she's an angel, yeah. she's an angel.
2: Well, you can, you can look on things like that, if, if you're connected with one another, how you can, me between the lines between body and spirit just a final point on Maureen which I forgot to mention which I wrote down here three days before she died and I had no idea because she was on Cape Cod we spent a week together a couple weeks before she died she I'm, I'm a like I said we have a, between my wife and I we have 45 nieces and nephews I'm one of 10 Mary Catherine's one of these and um in the family, they call me the patriarch, and as I've said, I got plenty of money. It's just tied up in debt, but I like to
0: um, <laughs> advice
2: <laughs> give people advice. So she emails me three days before she dies, and she said, "You are the patriarch. Keep at it. You can't give up." Three days later, and I think she had a sense of what was happening. Three days later, she died. That was those were the that was the last words that she said. You cannot give up. You are the patriarch. You have to hang in.
0: Wow. I love it. Last thing yeah, please, please don't give up. You and, are. Yeah. You are, and
1: she's going to make sure you are doing that.
2: I, <laughs> I,
0: I don't know you, Greg, but I love you. I think you are love you too. A, a gift. You are a gift to us. You've been a gift to me. You're a gift to everybody that's going through this or doesn't, or, or knows somebody going through this, or, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a, a, a pandemic of a gargantuan size at some point, you know, if we don't, if we don't put, nip this in the bud, you know, and. Um,
2: it's, it's like putting COVID on steroids.
0: Totally, totally. Yeah. You know, and um, I, I mean, I would love to continue talking to you. I just, I mean, I love everything you wrote. I mean, I, but I, I guess if we have to summit, if we want to tie it up, I just want to ask, because I know what, what you wrote, but please explain your title on Pluto, because I think it's so magnificent.
2: Yeah. I had all my notes, 2000 pages of notes. And I said, okay, I'm going to start to write. And I heard inside my mom, the spirit, the universe, God, not yet, not time, not time. And then I heard time. So I started writing. And as I said before, there are things that were coming out of me. I had no clue where they were coming from. And then I said, okay, what do I call this book? When I got two thirds into it in my heart, I heard you call it on Pluto. I know this sounds bizarre. And, and at the time what was happening with Pluto is Pluto was a planet that was being demoted because no one was paying attention to it. And I, and I said, okay, I'll call it Pluto. And then I felt, okay, I, gotta, I don't want people to think it's a scientific book. And then I came up with uh, Inside the Mind of Alzheimer's but I got Pluto from my heart and immediately when I was saying, okay, what do I write? It was like seconds later, I just heard one word, Pluto. And then I looked it up and uh, I wish I could claim credit for it, but I can't.
0: But the metaphor is magnificent. It's, it's, it, it, it hits the spot for me, especially what afterwards that, that I was told by one of the chaplains at the uh, home that my mom is at who told me, you know, your mom's demented and she's not there. So, you know, her, her brain is full of holes right now. So you can't really, don't worry about her being scared and don't worry about her being this. And I thought-
1: She said, there's nothing there. There's
0: nothing there. Said, I mean,
1: she literally said those words. There, There's it's just, her. it's just full of holes. It's
0: wow. full of holes. And I said, "I." she goes, her soul is there, but she's not there. I said, well, I'm gonna push back on you on that one, lady. For Good and, for you. And I said, yeah. And I said, she's there. You just don't know how to find her. I do, and um, you know, you you write about uh, that the uh, the parallels of, of 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 when they were researching Pluto and the, all the crevices and the and the caverns and everything. But as they got closer, they realized there was a lot of a lot of a lot of space in between those. Right. Right. Yeah. And I find, and I say that's where the magic is, and that's where that's that's how we as people that love and are are more open-minded and understand this uh, as well as we can, know that we're just have to traverse those crevices and those holes and and get to that solid land. We'll find them, they're there.
2: One of the greatest blessings about Pluto was after all of this and people saying, it's not a real planet and it's way out there in the middle of nowhere. And New Horizons came and found that Pluto had a heart. That was confirmation for me. Way after I wrote the book, Pluto has a heart, and that's what we're talking about in this journey—a heart. We're
0: Absolutely. talking about it. The heart. The so much so. I. I. Okay. I guess we have to to tie this up. I'm. I'm just. I'm so emotional. I love. I again. I love you so much, Steve. I love you for you making this movie and bringing me into your world with this and allowing me to to share it with my audience and. Um, Wow. Just read, read, read that book, everybody read this book and read Greg's blogs and you'll get a sense of, uh, you know, a deeper sense of what he's, his journey. It's beautiful. It's, it's hard. It's, it's everything. It's life. It's just freaking life. That's all what it is, is life. And that's, you know, we all, if, if you're going to live life, it's going to get hard and you just have to uh, ride those out. I'm, <laughs> I'm an expert. <laughs>
3: May the sixth is when the movie is going to yes, travel. And um and go see the movie because you won't walk out of there depressed. You will walk out of there informed and and enlightened and hopefully have that sense of hope that yeah. Greg so magnificently represents in a world where it Alzheimer's is a big whitewash, old person's disease. Well, we got a person here who it, it has, has this particular disease, but he still knows how to reach inside and talk to you. And, and all of his writing is, is, is just basically talking directly to the, the other hearts of the people who are, who are drinking from Greg's Fountain.
0: Where can people see the film on May 6th?
3: Um, it's, there's going to be a, a limited theatrical window where it'll start off in 30 films, 30 theaters in about 10 cities. The second week it'll go to 60 theaters. The third week it'll go to 120 theaters. And we have a website called hyhaG. Have you heard about greg.com? And on that you will be able to find where the theaters are and where they can go and drink and drink this in.
2: Here's a picture of Maureen, by the way. Oh wow, she's beautiful.
0: Aw, well, there isn't an ugly person in your family. I yeah. just gotta say, like, <laughs> we don't, she, like my mom says, we don't, do, that, so. we don't do ugly, but you don't do ugly. I'm telling you, <laughs> you all of you, including you, Greg. So uh, yeah, you're all beautiful. Your granddaughter is beautiful. Oh, Cattler. and Steve,
1: you're a looker too. Yeah,
0: Steve, yeah, I like. Yeah, hello. <laughs> But for sure so um oh gosh i had see. See, i, I get nervous because i can't remember what i was going to say i was going to say something but i can't remember
2: if you want i have for that if you want
0: <laughs> you
3: know
0: i'll call you greg <laughs> Okay, well, listen, Greg, you hang in there and stay with us for a little bit longer, as long as you can, because I'd like to meet you in person and give you a hug one day. And I hope that I get to do that. Um, We, we, I can't believe we haven't crossed paths. Us Against Alzheimer's was my fiscal sponsor. Oh. For our film, um, I've been I've been a I've been a spokesperson and a face for Alzheimer's Los Angeles for the past four years. And um, I just I am very much um, a supporter of our community. And I hope that I, I help in some way, some little way by bringing humor and hope like you. Oh. So uh, and also because we come from the heart, which is why we call our show. Don, tell us,
1: as we said, your your mantra is hope, faith and humor. And ours uh, to add to that, which is all part of yours too, is love. And that's because love is powerful. Love is contagious and love conquers all. And uh, we are honored to have you both here today. And uh, And we'll see everyone next time. Thanks for joining Thank us you. today. So to you.
0: Subscribe if you'd like to share this and share all the information today. And we'll also have all of the um, information in our show notes. And we love you. Bye.